you got a Bible, um, I would love for you to open up to Genesis 18 this morning. We're going to read, uh, begin our time this morning by reading Genesis 18, 1 through 15. We'll actually be turning back a few pages in Genesis, so just keep your, par- keep your marker there. We'll be turning back a few pages and reading some, some of the, uh, the precursor to this story. Um, but Genesis 18, 1 through 15 is going to be um, our opening text. The Scripture says, Then the Lord appeared to him, that's Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing beside him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. And he said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. I'll bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a tender and good calf, gave it to the young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he'd prepared and set it before them. He stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Really good text, really good story. We'll dig into that in just a little bit. Now, I don't know about y'all, but every time this kind of screen pops up on my phone, I get a little nervous. Now, that one is special made for this service, but sometimes it says iOS 8, 10, 9, 10, whatever it is. If you don't have an iPhone, you have a different software version. I think Android uh, software is named after cookies or something or food. Um, um, but this kind of screen pops up on my phone. And even on my computer, I've got one on my computer. It continues to pop up, and, and it just stresses me out every time. Hey, you should update your computer to this latest um, software. My TV even has software updates now. Um, if you've got any kind of device underneath your TV that's hooked up to the Internet, it always wants to update, doesn't it? And if this isn't you know, really your ballpark, I'm sure you're familiar with this sort of thing, right? Everything wants to update nowadays in today's world, and it just stresses me out. I don't know about y'all. Maybe y'all love it when you see it, but I'll tell you why it stresses me out in just a minute. Um, and, and you can't ignore these things. They continue popping up. Even if you say, I don't want to see that, it says tomorrow it thinks you changed your mind. It reminds you, hey, you haven't updated your phone. You haven't updated your computer. You haven't updated your TV. You haven't updated your toaster, right? Something always wants to update. Now, 10 years ago, they really wanted to, to build that into toasters, but we've moved on from that. Refrigerators, not so much, but I don't have that kind of money. But anyway, everything wants to update, right? And, and some of you, you just hand it to your kid, to your grandma 
grandkids, and you tell them to fix it, right, when this kind of stuff happens. And then they hand it back to you, and then you accuse them of messing it up because they just fixed it, right? And they really didn't fix it. It doesn't work like it used to work, right? You know, and, and, and I think a lot of this speaks to, you know, how connected we are. But also, you know, nothing's ever finished anymore, is it, right? Everything's always, you know, a version that needs to update. There's always something unfinished, incomplete, imperfect about our technology in today's world, right? Something that didn't need it 10 years ago somehow suddenly needs the internet now, right? Everything, our cars even, right, need to update and they want to dial into some server somewhere. Um, and, and we think, you know, maybe this update will be the only one that it needs, but just kidding, three months from now, you'll need another update, right? And you better be ready because it's going to remind you it's time to do it. Uh, but, but there's two things you can do when these updates show up. The, the first thing, you can go through with it. Um, and, and then something changes about your phone, your computer, your TV, your toaster, your phone, your car. Something changes, right? And then you go to use it. This happens to me all the time. And I'm pretty up to date on my technology. But I open up my phone or I open up my computer or I turn on my TV or I go to use something, right? And it updated and it doesn't work like it used to work, right? And I'm mad because it used to be there. It's not there anymore, right? And I didn't move it, but somebody moved it. And I gave permission to somebody somewhere to do something to my phone. And it just doesn't work the way it used to. Now, there's another option, though, because you don't, you know, you can ignore it. You don't have to go through with it. But if you decide to go through with it, sometimes the dreaded, uh, the, the dreaded thing that comes up next is this. An error occurred. This happens to me all the time. And there's one reason particularly why this happens to me all the time, because right now on my phone, on my computer, not on my TV, but on some other things that I have, some, some game consoles and stuff, I don't have enough storage for the update. Because the update is going to add, put all the stuff on my device, and it's going to fill up the remaining storage that I have, and then I'm going to have to delete stuff. And if I delete too much stuff, I won't have a device, right? Every time I go to update my devices, every time I go to update my phone, my whatever, it comes and tells me, you don't have enough storage. Sorry, you can't receive the update. I didn't ask for it, right? You're the one that wanted me to get it, and you gave it to me, and you're telling me I can't have it right now. Now, I know super smart tech people, we've got some in the sound room, they'll say, well, if you had this kind of phone, you could just plug in an SD card or you add a hard drive. Listen, I don't have time for that. I don't want, my phone doesn't do that, but I don't have time for that. I don't want to add a hard drive to my computer. I don't want to add an SD card to my computer. That costs money, right? And it costs me enough to buy what I got. So most people, right, you buy a device and you're stuck with whatever is on the device, right? If it has so many gigabytes of storage, that's what you've got until it's dead, right? Most people, right, most of us, you know, we're stuck with what we got. And the average person, the average one of us, we're used to just getting these updates over and over and over again, and they can't be processed, right? We're stuck with whatever is built in, and we can't improve or can't update our device. And every day, it's like this rush starts over again. The notifications pop up on my phone, and they say, you should update your phone. I tried. I don't have room for it. But you should update it. You should delete stuff and make room for it. And, and you know, I don't want to right now. I don't have time right now. Most of all, I don't have room right now. And, and y'all know how this is. Most people... Most of us, we don't have the latest, greatest phones, right? We're still using one from a couple years ago. Works just fine, right? But the day that you update it, the day that you put the newest version on it, your phone's going to slow down. Your computer's going to slow down. It's all of a sudden going to perform worse and worse and worse. Maybe it's because they want you to buy a new one probably, right? But I don't know. Everything, you update it, it just doesn't work like it used to, and it slows it down, and it really makes it perform less than it, than it should. Uh, and, 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 and a lot of times, we kind of respond to updates like this. I updated my device, and now it's not working. There literally are five 
billion Google searches with something like that in them where people like you and I go on Google and we type in, I updated my X, Y, or Z, and now it's not working like it used to or like I wanted it to. So there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons why we might should decline or delay an update that is pushed our way. There are a lot of reasons, and in many ways, in many ways, whether we update or not, let's go two slides over, whether we update or not, the device is going to be pressured and reminded it's behind from a lack of storage or a lack of power. And if you're like me and you just don't ever update it or you don't ever to install this or that, it's going to keep saying to you, hey, you're behind. Do you not know that you're three or four versions behind the latest, greatest you know, service? Do you not realize that you don't have enough room? I knew that yesterday, right? But we're always reminded, we're always pressured and, and here's the thing, there's this looming reminder, this literally, it's bogging down and hindering the device. Pointing out what's wrong, hindering what's possible. Now, why am I thinking about all this? What got me thinking about this, um, and, and I think it really ties in with the new year and how time works, a 2020 update got pushed our way a couple, weeks, a couple days ago, Right? 12 days ago, 2020 rolled onto the calendar, whether we were ready or not, right? And some of us, we're not ready, and we're still pushing it off, right? We're still trying to pick up the pieces from 2019, right? And in and, and five months from now, some of us, we still won't be ready, right? And come on, we still haven't processed everything that 2019 pushed our way, have we? And some of us, we haven't processed what the last five years have pushed our way, have we? Every new season, every new year, every new decade brings some kind of update and change. Something that we expect, some that we never could expect, and, and some that apply to us, some that only applies to certain people, some that only applies to certain people, but they try to make it apply to all of us. We can go in a lot of different directions with this, I think, but, but I just want to hone into us as individuals for a minute so we can all relate here. Some of us, we just weren't ready for the 2020 update. And honestly, we're never going to be. Some of us, we weren't ready for the new challenges this year is going to bring us. And I don't know what the challenges are going to be for you. I don't know what they're going to be for me. I've had a few already in these 12 days, but I didn't expect some. Some I saw coming. Some of us, we, we just don't know what challenges are coming our way, but there's going to be some new expectations over us, aren't there? Maybe at work, things are going to change for you, and all of a sudden, you were responsible for this, but now you're responsible for that. All of a sudden, so-and-so quit their position, and now you've got to cover for them for the next few weeks until somebody replaces them. And maybe nobody will, and maybe you'll be stuck with it all year. Maybe there's some new appointments that are on your calendar you didn't know about three or four weeks ago, and all of a sudden Christmas and New Year's are over, and you're all of a sudden dealing with things that you just didn't think your health were going to have to, you were going to have to deal with in your health or in your personal life. Maybe there are bills that landed or came to your mailbox in the, uh, that you expected but kind of pretended weren't going to come, right? Maybe there's some new trends, and maybe culture is going to change in a way that you just don't want to accept. And come on, sometimes it kind of pushes things on us that we just don't want to deal with. Some of us, we still haven't been able to handle the old updates that last year and the years before, much less how could we be ready for whatever this year might throw at us. Some of us, we're still using our old devices, and we're just as happy as we can be. We don't need anything to change, but that's just not how life works, is it? And here's the thing. You know who pushed the 2020 update to us? You know who turned the calendar to 2020? God, right? I mean, if we all had it our way, we'd hit our best age and we'd hit pause, right? 
I mean, if it was me, I, it'd be 1999, and I would be nine years old, and I would be living the life, right? I would never know y'all, right? I wouldn't know half the people in the world because they wouldn't be born, right? If it was me, I would just say, you know what? I've peaked. I'm, it's never going to get better, and I'm not going to talk, talk about why it wouldn't get better. But hey, for you or for me, we would all say, hey, this is the best it can be. Let's just hit pause. We don't never need anything to change. My health is perfect. My life is great. My family's great. Everything's great. So let's just stop. But that's just not how it works, is it? Now, I know the world is going to push some things our way that clearly are not from God this year, but overall and generally speaking, God's the one who allowed the clock to turn to January 2020, didn't he? And the way the system works, as soon as it did, the floodgates opened and the updates started coming our way as life goes on, and there's going to be some things that we deal with personally, there's going to be things that we deal with as a community, there are going to be things that we deal with as a country, as a world, right? Some we think that are good, some that we think are bad. It's just the way time works, and, and, and they can get difficult to handle, can't they? We're not even two weeks into 2020, and I'm sure a lot of you have went through some things that you probably weren't ready for, and, and, and maybe you thought, you know what, here we go again. Is it going to be another year like that? And Maybe some of you, it's just the grind starts once more, and every time around the clock, you just think, you know what, this is getting a little bit harder and harder to deal with. And, and I don't know how this lands with you, but I'd imagine that sometimes the burdens and expectations of this life can get a little bit heavy. The pressure, some of us, there can be pressure that comes our way, and many of us are already under the pressure of this new year. And, and I mean, listen, a pop-up on my phone that keeps reminding me I'm out of date and out of storage, it can get annoying. But all the pressures of this life piling on me, telling me that I can't handle it, and I'm not good enough for it, and I'm falling behind, that's more than just a, a little annoying. That can be debilitating. When you're dealing with all kind of stuff from your health, from your family, from your friends, from your work, from the country, from all the angles of this world, when all that stuff starts coming on you and some things you're not ready for, some things you're just not, you know, you're just not wired for, some things you're just not open to, some things you're just too far behind to understand, for whatever reason it is, whatever angle it might be coming from, it can be a little suffocating, can it? It can be a little bit defeating and overwhelming. And I know that makes things get heavy pretty quickly, but... That's just how life is, and that's how life is going to be. There will be some good updates in 2020, but there will be some updates in 2020 that will challenge us, that will tempt us, that will overwhelm us, and outright discourage us. There will be some updates that will be great opportunities, but only if we respond properly. There will be some updates that will bring success our way if we are ready for them, but the thing is, our default response to most updates that life throws at us is, I don't got time for that. I don't got room for that. And there's really no way that's going to work for me. But that doesn't really work when you tell that to a doctor's report, does it? It doesn't really work when you tell that to a boss at work, does it? It doesn't always work when you tell that to somebody that you love or someone that you, are, you get along with, does it? And it definitely doesn't work when you tell it to a group of people that are somewhere far away that don't even listen to us. Today, my main agenda is to address the notion that's within all of us to say, you know what, I don't have time for that, no room for that, no way for that. I just want to be a voice that reminds you that some updates, most updates, they're not going to go anywhere. They're only going to become more and more pressing. That goes from things about you, your age, your health. It goes from things you deal with at work, things that we deal with in the world, things about our culture and our society. And if we're not careful, we'll let the constant reminder and notification stress us out and aggravate us and overwhelm us. 
We'll let the pressure of not having time, room, or a way take us to a place where we begin to doubt our place and doubt ourselves, and you might miss what God wants to do in your life this year. A lot of us, we might bow out at what we could accomplish this year, what we could achieve this year, strides we could make this year in our personal life, in our professional life, most importantly on our spiritual walk. There are things, choices you have to make, goals that you might have, dreams that you might have. There are risks and opportunities you might can take. There are missions and movements and moments you might can be a part of in God's kingdom. The 2020 updates that come your way, they're for you, they're not against you. Because God's the author of all of them, right? So my job is to speak God's truth and grace to you and remind you that the 2020 update for your life doesn't have to discourage you. And here's what I believe God wants to communicate to everybody today. Instead of being under pressure, you can be under His power. I think that's a good, good alternative, right? That I would much rather be under God's power than under the pressure of this life that sometimes can get suffocating and can get overwhelming. And in the Scriptures, there's a story of a man. Uh, a man who was under a great amount of pressure and was almost crushed by it, but he found a way to turn pressure into power, pressure that was trying to bury him, into power that would raise him up and strengthen him. And, and not to downplay your pressure, but the pressure this man had was bigger than any pressure that would ever be on any of all of us combined. I promise you that. At the darkest time in human history, God put the entire redemption plan and the entire possibility of salvation on the shoulder of one man, on the back of one man, on this one man's future. Everybody else's future was resting on. And he wasn't the first man that had been given this kind of task. Many had crumbled under this kind of pressure. Now, y'all know how the whole story begins. That in the beginning, God created, right, the world. He said, let there be light. And he made a perfect environment for two people, right, Adam and Eve. Jesus himself affirmed that these were the first people that lived on our planet. God made them, and he made them innocent, and he made them perfect. He gave them a free will, and in that free will, they chose to rebel. And in their free will, they became sinners. They didn't start out sinners, and they still blew it. God promised He would turn things around, though, and He said a descendant of Adam and Eve would be a Savior for all people. Yet their firstborn Cain messes up even worse than they. Right? Their firstborn Cain, he killed his brother Abel. And years go by, and the world turned violent and oppressive and wicked and indulgent. And God decided to wash away the wickedness from the earth. But his heart was moved by eight righteous people. And those righteous people were led by a man named Noah. And Noah was uh, tasked to build an ark to carry his family through a flood to bring the animals that might would repopulate the earth once it was washed clean. Noah built the ark and he preached the way of salvation. And only he and his family entered the boat. And God tasked Noah to lead a new era for humanity when the waters would subside. But for a number of reasons, Noah stumbled under the pressure and the new world became much like the old world, if not worse. Full of rebellious, defiant, lost, broken, confused, and hopeless people. In the middle of all of this, humanity fell under the leadership of a tyrant who convinced them they didn't need God. They had each other. They had Him and men like Him. They set out to build a tower that would rise to the heavens to honor humanity's achievement and potential apart from God. But somehow, someway, in mid-progress, the tower was abandoned and creation was divided. And the people were more confused and lost than ever. They couldn't handle the pressure they put on their own shoulders. 
So it seemed impossible they could ever manage under expectations or pressure from God. Yet God wasn't about to give up. He still believed that someone could rise past the pressure and find His power, His strength, and His grace for Him, for His plans. And out of nowhere, God called a man named Abram, who was, a fam- who was of a family of idol worshipers. Much like the whole world, they had all tried uh, a world where there were no gods and tried to erase God's name from history. And then they found themselves divided and confused. In that confusion, they knew they ha- there had to be more, and that gave rise to religion. And there was priests and shaman and magi who rose to prominence to explain the universe and discover the gods hidden behind creation. And they created idols and images that represented the gods that were supposed to be behind every corner of creation. Marriage and parenting and war and weather and farming. Abraham was like everyone else, bowing before rocks, waiting for an answer, but they never gave an answer. But we aren't much better, are we? We bow in front of apps and websites and paper and plastic screens in society, waiting for answers and validation and fulfillment. Abram was in line with everyone else, and they finally heard a voice, but it wasn't from a rock, it was from the heavens. God called to Abram and introduced himself as the God of creation, the God that once was considered a myth or a legend, the God of Adam, Abel, and Enoch, and Noah, the one true God. God instilled confidence in Abram. And he said, Abraham, Abram, I'm about to drop an update on creation. Now, 2020 AD, or 2020 BC would be about the time all this happened, maybe a little bit before that. But I'm about to drop an update on creation And you're the only one that can handle it. You're the only one that can receive it. So Abram, I hope you are listening. If you flip back in your Bibles to Genesis 12, this is the word, this is the update that God gave Abram way back 4,000 years ago. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, here's what the Lord says to Abram, who had never talked to him before this point. Now listen to this. And just imagine being Abram. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. Now, we usually read this as the beginning of this redemption story, and, and it's you know, always kind of you know, so poetic and so beautiful. But imagine how Abram received and heard this originally. I mean, he's used to rocks not talking, right? And now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes a voice that says, I want you to leave home, I want you to build a nation, and I want, you're going to bless the whole world. And I bet Abram's thinking, what? I mean, I'm just going to walk away from all this, and I can't even see you, and I'm just going to wander around through the desert until you show me a place that's going to be home? All of a sudden, the world's future, the world's hope and salvation was on this one man's shoulder. No matter how much God told him, hey, this is my idea, don't worry, Abram kept getting these updates pushed to him, and he kept thinking, God, I don't know if I'm the guy for this. As he wandered through the desert, searching for the promised land, a famine led him down to Egypt. And you would think, as he was facing the empire that ruled the known world, he would have no fear, Because, I mean, by all means, the God of all creation was on his side. The hope of all creation was on his shoulders. Who would want to mess with him? But Abram cowers before the Egyptian king. He introduces his wife as his sister. 
That worked out very well, right? For, I'm sure she felt really good about that, right? Introduced his wife as a sister, offering her for this king's sinful cult. Thankfully, for Sarah's sake, God intervened. But how could Abram do that? Pressure is why he did that. And years go by, and God begins to make Abram's name great. Abram becomes very wealthy and very prominent. But there's a little problem. There's no nation being built because there's no family being built because there's no child. Abram and Sarah were childless. People kept expecting Abram to be ushering in this nation that was going to rival the kingdoms of the world to bring salvation to the whole world, but he can't even bring one child into the whole world. Updates keep coming that tell Abraham he's going to change the world, but Abram grows weary under this pressure. So if you flip over to chapter 15, a few years later God shows up and God drops him another update. 15 verses 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. He was afraid because all this that God was telling him wasn't working out, and he, didn't have the, he wasn't just fit for this position. But Abram says, Lord, what will you give me? I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. He's a slave. Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. God assures him, though, things are going to be fine. But more time passes, and now he's not 75, he's 85. And it wasn't just him, but Sarah's childbearing years seem way, way, way gone. And the pressure got to Abram, and maybe he should help God out a little bit. And Sarah had a young handmaiden, probably a third, maybe even a quarter their age. And Abram thought, I'll just have a child with her. This should work out. I'm not, hopefully, I'm not the problem. Maybe it's my wife. I won't tell her that. But hey, once all this happens, she's going to be obvious, right? Hey, it's going to be hard to deal with. And it blows up in his face. The younger, uh, different woman gets pregnant. Sarah feels betrayed and feels hurt. And the new mother and the new child are sent away. So much for that. Abram probably wouldn't even see the child again, much less build a nation with him. And Abram proves what we already know. When... When we try to help, when we try to alter God's plans, we complicate them. What we thought would benefit us usually burns us. Abram probably felt like a fool at this point. Soon he would be yesterday's model and people would be making fun of him for ever believing any of this. And, okay, and come on, this is the point where you think God would show up and say, Okay, Abram, our deal's over. You've broken, the, you've broken our agreement. You're too broken. You're too old. You're too full. Now there's no room. There's no time. There's no way for me to use you. I've got to move on and find somebody else. But God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. And here's the thing. If God doesn't give up on us, we can't give up on Him. Over in chapter 17, listen to what God tells Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Hey, Abram, remember last time, last chapter when you tried to be Almighty, Abram? Didn't work out, did it? I am Almighty. Walk before me and you'll be just fine. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Your name shall be Abraham. Okay, Abram, I got another update for you. I know this is crazy. At age 99, Abram becomes Abraham. Abraham, Abraham I'm going to address you by that now. 
I know it's going to be tough to change and handle and adapt and adjust, but you're just going to have to accept this. You've got a new name. How would you feel if at age 99 you'd lived your rich old life, right? And then somebody showed up and said, hey, we're going to call you by a different name. And by the way, you're going to be a great person. Everybody's going to know you. How are they going to know me if they don't even know my name anymore? I mean, can you imagine how Abraham felt? I can't just change. I can't just adapt. I can't just adjust. I don't have time and room or a way for that. God, do you ever hear yourself talk? But God kept talking. Down in verse 15. And he said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and also give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Verse 17. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, all that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no. See, maybe you've already went to God and said, okay, God, I know you've got this in mind or you seem to be going this direction, but God, how about my plan? You know what God says to our plan? He loves you and he doesn't mean to, he doesn't mean to offend you. But you know what God says to your plan? No! Because I love you too much to listen to your advice. But I got some great advice, God. I got notebooks and notebooks of ideas. And if you just took my advice, I promise it would go well. God says, I don't even want to negotiate with you. I love you. I made you. I designed you that way. But listen, I can't take advice from you. I'll tell you why in heaven one day. No. That might be the best thing we could ever hear from God. No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his descendants after him. And he says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of Ishmael. I'm going to clean up the mess you made. I'm not going to let a child suffer for something you did wrong. Don't worry, I'm a good God. I'm not going to mess up Ishmael's life. But I've got plans for you and for Sarah and for Isaac. Whew. God says, write it down. It's going to happen. And Abraham really just dreads all of this. And in chapter 18, we find him in the heat of the day, stressed about how he's going to ever make sense of this. God shows up in a tangible, visible form, and Abraham is at his wit's end. The pressure has built, and he's about to crumble, not just spiritually, but physically. There's not much left to him. And God shows up, and he rushes to prepare a feast to try to impress him and please him. Not that God asked for any of that. Of course, God wasn't there for that. He was there to see Sarah to give the update straight to her because Abraham just wouldn't accept it. Right, ladies? Husbands just won't listen. So God came to you. God came to Sarah. Like Abraham, Sarah doubts that any of this could be actually possible or realistic, but God finally responds to them in a way that focuses on, forces us to pause and give it second thought. In chapter 18, verse 14, one of the most amazing statements from God that we should copy and memorize and repeat every single day, God says to Sarah, He says to Abraham, He says to us, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything? The answer is nothing is too hard for the Lord. Now we sit here and say there's no room, there's no way, there's no time. This is where Abraham and Sarah are both confronted with an alternative to being under pressure. All along, Abraham naturally thought it was his responsibility, it was his plan, it was his 
you know, it was on him to make this happen, but God reminds them that is absolutely not the case. See, I don't know what updates are going to come to your life this year. It could be something that you, could, that, that, that you knew about, something that you don't know about yet. It could be something God's been wanting you to do for years and you keep getting the same update year after year and you keep saying no, you keep saying no, and you've got good reasons to say no to it, I understand. But maybe God's wanting you to start something and you've been putting it off for years and years and years. It's something that the Bible says you as a Christian should do. You as a Christian are, don't have a choice, but you continue to find reasons and find ways to excuse yourself, right? And you're not better for it, are you? We're not better for it, are we? We're worse for it. And we continue to excuse ourselves and say, well, this and this and this, and it, God understands. And God, listen, God understands, but you're not better for it. Maybe God wants you to stop something. And God loves you. He's forgiven you a hundred times. Every time you do it, He continues to forgive you and love you, but He wants you to stop it. Right? Maybe God wants you to change something about your life. And He loves you anyway, and He's not going to forsake you because of it, but He just says, I want you to get this. His word is clear. You know it's time to receive this update for your life and realize it. Maybe it's something more serious in your Christian walk that God's saying it's time for you to step up and be more than just an observer. Maybe there's a habit you've got to cut out, a secret that you've been hiding, advice you keep returning to. Maybe there's something you need to do to lead your family or to do for your spouse or your kids that isn't meant to be pressure on you, though. It doesn't have to cripple you. As a pastor, this is something I've learned when considering what the future for our church is. It's easy to believe that the updates have only become impossible to receive in our lifetime. We say things like, you know what, it, you know, it might have worked before, but it just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work for me. I'm not made for that. I can't do that. It, it was easy back then, but it's just not easy now. Listen, they've always been impossible to receive. They've only ever been made possible with God. Every generation, every year, every update that comes to anybody's life has always been impossible to deal with. It's only possible if God helps you. So even though things change like crazy, we turn to Him, we trust in Him, because nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible with God. And I don't know what you're dealing with personally, professionally, privately, spiritually, but it's not impossible with God. On one occasion, some people came to Jesus and they, they had a scenario where their response to him was, who can be saved? I mean, if, it's this, if this is how it is, Jesus, if this is what you require from us, or if this is how following you is, then I don't think anybody can be saved. I mean, if this is how life's going to be, then how can anybody get through it? Have you ever thought that? If this is how life's going to be, if I'm going to have to deal with this and that and them and those, I can't, I don't know how anybody makes it. You know what Jesus' response to that question was? With man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Do you think Jesus would lie to people's face? I don't know what you're struggling with right now that you think is impossible, and you're just waiting for God to take it away. You're just waiting for God to get rid of it. You're waiting for God to change it. But God's not going to, is He? Life's updates and expectations have always been impossible, always been overwhelming. They always put us under pressure. But with God, with God, under pressure can change to under power. The solution is actually really simple. Just like when you don't have room on your phone or your computer, 
Almost every phone, Apple or Android, has access to more storage, but it's not on the device, and you can't plug it into your device. A while back, I had to do this because I realized I was never going to have enough because my storage was finite and limited. But there was another option for unlimited, infinite storage and power in the cloud. What if I told you when the updates of this life and the expectations of this life feel like too much that you could offload that pressure to the clouds? Not ignoring them or rejecting them, but receiving what God has for you by connecting to His kingdom. Just like when you merge your device with the clouds, you can turn your hearts over to the kingdom of God. Because with God, we have free and unlimited Cloud power. That is the secret in going from under pressure to under power. Now beware, when we do this, results will happen. Change will come. You will have access to revelation and inspiration. We really do live in an incomplete, imperfect, unfinished world. But only the updates that God has for you can make your life better. In chapter 19, Abraham prays and saves his, son, his nephew Lot from destruction. In 21, he welcomes a newborn son Isaac into the world. In 24, he shows he's willing to do anything for the Lord. All because he made room for the updates by making room for God. Are you ready for God's updates for your life this year? Even if they don't look good on paper? Are you serious about receiving what He's got in store for you, becoming the 2020 version of yourself? This is the path to take. This is the way. Now listen, a lot about our world is going to change for the worse this year. That's just how it works. But are you going to let that make your faith impractical and ineffective? You can't, can you? In the early days when the Christians were persecuted, they came together and they prayed a prayer like this. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness and with power. God, the pressure's getting to us, but we want the power to work through us. See, we don't have time or room or the way. But God who controls time can make room. He is the way. What is God pushing your way? What are His updates you've been putting off? Are you ready to receive them? and realize them. If he's in control, you have nothing to fear. Are you ready to do what's right for your family, your church, for the kingdom? What have you been putting off as impossible that God wants to make possible? Maybe you thought, you know what, I don't, I've done enough, I've been through enough, I just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let whatever happen and be done with it. Turn on the power of the cloud and trust in the God of heaven. What if you just tried this? Just for this year. To trade pressure for power and see the impossible become possible. Churches, we face a new year and there are no doubt many things to come our way that we might enjoy, we might dread. The only hope we have to not choking and crumbling under pressure is to trust in the power of God and to offload our worries to his kingdom and to have confidence in his ability to lead and guide and direct every single one of us. Some of you, some of you, you're dreading what's coming. You're worried about what's coming. You have no idea what's coming. Maybe you don't even have, maybe you've got enough on your plate. You need to surrender. 
to what God can do for your life. You need to trust in God's infinite, unlimited power and see the pressure turn in to that power. To see the impossible become possible. The worship team is going to come up and sing a song that uh, I'm sure you're familiar with. As they sing these words, as you listen to this song, I, I ask you to worship the Lord. I ask you to let God try your heart. And if, ever, if there's a need, if you need to be rescued this morning, I'll meet you at the altar. We'll pray for God to turn that pressure into His power. Let me pray for you. Father, I love you. Thank you for the word that you've given us this morning. Thank you for the good news of Jesus that says nothing is impossible with God. Father, I don't know what everybody's going through today, but there's no, no doubt if somebody, somebody has already received an update from this year and they're just not happy with it, they don't know what to do with it. Maybe somebody that we know and love has already been dealt with something that just seems impossible to handle. But God, the Word of God, the Word says, the Bible says, your truth is that nothing is impossible, that we can trust in the power of the cloud above us, the kingdom above us, and you. Father, I pray you would move and have your way among us, and I pray that you will give people the confidence they need to not back down from what this year has, but to boldly face it for your sake and for their good. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.